This is The Power Profile, stories of world-class leadership, hosted by award-winning broadcast journalist and media entrepreneur, Christina Mendonza. Get ready to connect with those defining success. This is The Power Profile, where we look at power in all forms of our professional and personal lives and talk to people who've leveraged power in their own lives. Today, the founder of one of the fastest growing privately held companies in America, multi-award-winning entrepreneur and founder of 12 companies, Jason Duncan. Jason is passionate about coaching entrepreneurs who want to scale, enjoy, and exit their business. He has something called the Exeter Club, which he'll explain. He works with entrepreneurs to develop systems and processes to scale so they can live what he calls the exit lifestyle having complete control over their time and choices on a daily basis. Now, if you are an entrepreneur or you know an entrepreneur, you know sometimes that job can feel like 24-7, very difficult to uh, delegate and pass on those um, duties to someone else. A lot of people have a hard time doing that. Jason teaches people how to do this. And it does sound like a dream to live the Exeter lifestyle, so we'll talk to him about that. First, let's talk about all of the economic indicators pointing to recession. A lot of people assume it's coming. They're bracing for it, not sure what to do other than maybe pay off credit cards and brace for a downturn. However, there are things you can do to comfortably ride out the storm because recessions are part of the cycle. They're normal. They happen. And uh, you can always count on another one being around the corner. And it looks like our next one is. So these tips are from Business Insider. First of all, make a plan for losing your primary source of income. That's kind of scary to think about, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen and it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But having a plan will help put your mind at ease. Make a list. What are your second and third alternatives if your primary salary goes away? This is the time to sharpen up your business network, reconnect with colleagues after the pandemic. People are finally back to work and usually back to the office. Use creativity, not fear, to guide your decisions. If your main source of income dries up, how long can you last? What's your runway? What can you cut back on? Now, if you've thought about a side hustle, this is the time to launch it. What can you make, do, be? What service can you offer other than what you do for your primary work? That could be writing. It could be teaching. It could be something that you make and sell, a service you provide. Make another list of other things that you can do that people may be willing to pay you for. Plug the holes in your expense bucket. Many of us waste our money without even realizing it. And I'm talking about more than the $4 latte. It's not about the $4 latte. This is a time to go through all of your bills and tidy up your spending habits. Home-cooked meals are great. Time with family at home is cool. You don't need a big expensive holiday. All those subscriptions that are probably not needed, maybe you watch, you know, one of your streaming services once a quarter. You don't need it. Keep the ones that help you learn, grow, and reassess the rest. Don't sell anything you don't need to sell. Recessions can cause a lot of people to panic. When you sell your investments or your assets during a recession, you lock in the losses. So think carefully about selling your hard-earned assets. Look for other areas where you can cut back. When the market recovers, and it will, you can sell anything you feel you must sell then. Double down on your normal habits. This is so important. Habits are like oxygen in a recession. They help keep you 
regular. They create a sense of normalcy. They give you a structure to exist within. So keep exercising. Keep reading and learning. Keep socializing with your friends. Keep meditating. If you started those habits during the pandemic, keep posting on social media, sharing your story. Keep all of that up. This is not the time to give up habits that make you the person you are. If anything, you want to be adding a few new practices that help serve your goals. Recessions are normal. They happen even though we haven't been through one in a while. The goal is to modify your behavior temporarily and buffer yourself as much as possible. Recessions are the bridge to a new upcycle. Remember that. It's the bridge to the next thing. Now, I'm an optimist by nature. You've probably discerned that. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, my guest today is also an optimist, and he's going to tell us how to use this time, this recessionary reset, to launch ourselves into an entrepreneurial exit strategy. And when I say entrepreneurial, that's not necessarily just people starting up their own businesses. You can be entrepreneurial within your own career and company while you're working for someone else. Jason Duncan joins me now. Jason, thank you for making the time today. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. All right. Let's talk about all things entrepreneurship. You know, this is kind of a, uh, it's an anxious time for a lot of business owners and people in the corporate world in general because of what's happening in the economy right now, but also maybe an anxious time for entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs usually have a very optimistic spirit. Um, how do you encourage those that come to you for, for help at this time? Well, I think entre- you're right. Uh, entrepreneurs are generally more optimistic. If they're not, they're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long because what we get to do as entrepreneurs is we get to take the bull by the horn, so to speak. We get to, we're the masters of our own destiny. And so a lot of people look at having a corporate job, having a job as the secure position, when in fact, it's the less secure position because as a corporate employee, you are an employee at the whim of your employer. So at any time that company can go out of business, they can get sold, anything can happen and you're out of a job. Whereas an entrepreneur, you wake up every day and you are in control of what's happening. So until you decide you're not doing it anymore, you're in control. So the actual more secure position is to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner. And that's what I help my clients do all the time is to embrace that and love the fact that that risk is calculatable and manageable and they can leverage to their, leverage it to their benefit. You're right. You know, more now than ever, uh, it is a false sense of security we get from being with a large corporation, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, how many how many large corporations have fallen over the past decade? And those are just the ones we know about. But think about all the smaller, mid-sized companies and small companies that have fallen that we never heard about. I mean, and more companies shut down over the past two years over all this pandemic nonsense than any time in the history of the world. So where did all those employees go? So you're right. It's uh, entrepreneurship is a much more secure, and I, I love entrepreneurs, and I want to help as many people become successful entrepreneurs as possible. Now I love the topics um, that you speak upon uh, when it comes to entrepreneurs and and not getting trapped by your business. Let's talk a little bit about that because when you do go to start a business or you are an entrepreneur, I've done it myself, um, you do find yourself kind of consumed by all of the day-to-day. You're not sure when to scale, when to you know hire someone else to help you with some of the other day-to-day affairs. And a lot of people just end up feeling like, you know what, no one else can do it like I can, so I'm just going to do it all. Most do that, and that's called the hero syndrome. Most entrepreneurs put on the cape. They love to swoop in and save the day every time something goes wrong in their business. And while that's acceptable and appropriate and even expected, 
in the early stages of the startup, it is not acceptable for uh, growth stages because when you get into growth stages as a company, if everything revolves around you as the hero, as the entrepreneur who does it all because you're better at it than everybody else, your company can't outgrow you. You can't scale yourself. So one of the things I work with my clients on is how to escape that ironic trap of entrepreneurship because they wanted to start a business to get freedom of time, of money, of energy, and to be able to do what they want, be control of their decisions. When in fact, most uh, entrepreneurs are job owners, not business owners. Mm. You know, they just created a job for themselves. And so I help my clients get out of that. And how do you do that? How do you how do you know when? I mean, obviously, it depends on the business, but how do you know when is the appropriate time to pass off some of the duties to someone else? I mean, I still struggle with that in my own business. <laughs> well, the when is always different for every person, and certainly with every duty. But the reality is there are four there are four core principles that entrepreneurs who want to live what I call the exit lifestyle, um, which we can talk about later if you want to, but but there are four core principles that lead to that. And the first of which is delegation. They have to embrace delegation. And one of the things that I talk about a lot and I teach my clients to do, as a matter of fact, it was the subject of my TED talk that I gave earlier this year, is, is what is delegation and how do you actually do it? And so delegation is not just assigning a task to somebody, but it's, it's empowering them to act on your behalf and entrusting them to do it. So that, first of all, has to be what we, we, any of us, leaders, entrepreneurs, no matter who we are, we have to entrust and empower other people to act on our behalf. And when we start doing that, then what will happen is they are going to do it <laughs> not to the level that you want, and you're going to say, well, okay, this is not working, and you, and you confiscate that back. And that's called confiscation, not delegation. While I realize they rhyme, it's not the same thing. So I work with my clients to say, look, don't don't confiscate. You got to delegate. And then on the other end of the spectrum is you got entrepreneurs who say, okay, I'm great at delegating, and they give a job to somebody and then never look back. Well, that's not delegation. That's abdication. That's giving up the authority and the responsibility you have to see that task through to its 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 conclusion. So one of the first core principle that my clients and I work with is. How do you truly and appropriately embrace delegation? That's the first core principle they've got to get. Wow. All right. You said you did a TED Talk earlier this year. Where did you Where did you do that, and where might we see it online? So it was uh, TEDx Wilmington, Delaware. And uh, TEDx, that particular TEDx event is the number one viewed YouTube channel for TEDx events worldwide. So it's wow. really interesting how they've been doing it for I think TEDx has been doing it for 10 years wow. and in Wilmington. And uh, so I had the pleasure of being invited to be one of the speakers. It was one of the largest TEDx events in terms of number of speakers for the year 2022. Had a great, great list of speakers on stage that day. And, um, yeah, you can go to YouTube. If you just uh, YouTube the ironic prison of entrepreneurship, the ironic prison of entrepreneurship, you'll see me right there on the TEDx page. Fantastic. Okay, that's good. Good information. Uh, let's talk about how we survive as entrepreneurs when it all hits the fan. <laughs> because, I mean, from every indication, it looks like we're either in process or it's about to happen. So how do you help entrepreneurs recession-proof themselves? So there is a, there's this universal law, and it's called the law of adaptation. 
and and most people don't know about it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I mean, you think about how many years the human race didn't understand the law of gravity, but it's always existed. It wasn't until uh, until uh, Isaac Newton taught us what it is that we're like, oh, that's why when I fall out of a tree, it hurts. You know, <laughs> that, you know that's why this thing works the way that it does. So the law of adaptation, very much like the law of gravity, has been around since God created the heavens and the earth. And what it what it teaches us and tells us, the law says is that our ability to adapt will always outperform our ability to plan. Now, so let's, let's think about that through your, the lenses of your own mm. experiences. So if you have planned for something in the past, which I'd certainly, the law doesn't say don't plan, but it just says that adaptation outperforms planning. If you plan for something, uh, for, for buying a new car, for example, you say, hey, I want to buy a new car. And you're, you and your family sit down and say, okay, well, we got to save up enough money to put, you know, we want to we want to pay cash. Okay, how, how often does that plan actually work out? It, it almost certainly doesn't because something will come up. You'll stack a, a few, few thousand dollars away, and then another emergency will happen. You'll pull that money out, and, and you're like, I just don't want a car payment. We can't afford a car payment. But what if you went and got the car payment like many, many millions of people have done? How many times are you able to make that car payment where you wouldn't be able to make the savings in order to save to get the car payment? It's like every time, like every time. So mm-hmm. our ability to adapt to new situations always outperforms our ability to plan. And maybe that was a poor example of the idea, but the idea of entrepreneurs is this. The plan's fine. That's fine. You need to plan. If you don't plan, that's, that's terrible. But just embrace, like when the crap hits the fan, embrace that your ability to adapt to that new situation will be fine. As a matter of fact, not only will it be fine, it'll be the best. Uh, you know, I've started a dozen companies in my life and no plan that I ever sat down and wrote out ever performed as well as the changes and the adaptations that I made along the way. That is such a valuable uh, piece of information for people because I think it it really gets to trusting yourself uh, you know, it, especially if you have a skill set that you've developed over a lifetime um, and the example I give is um, when I had a kind of a forced mid-career change, I started my own company and I remember I was about three months into it and I was just trying to forecast and plan out and 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 make things happen. And I remember a mentor said to me, um, you trust your skill set, the work is going to show up. It's going to show up. And that mm-hmm. com- that confidence that this mentor had in me uh, helped boost my own confidence. And uh, month after month, the work has shown up. So I think you're right that that confidence is I think something that you know may- maybe um, entrepreneurs, people who have an entrepreneurial spirit, have it automatically. But those who are aspiring entrepreneurs can develop it. Indeed, indeed, they can. It's that's a universal law. It's there. It's it's we just have to know it, accept it, and then leverage it to our benefit. Mm-hmm. Now, on your podcast, uh, The Root of All Success, you've identified a few key consistent elements of success in all the people that you've interviewed. Just give us a couple of them that you think are consi- consistent across the board, no matter industry. Well, the first three of five I'll tell you about. So the first one is passion. And uh, passion is the number one indicator for entrepreneurial success. And I would argue that it's the number one indicator for success in any endeavor. As a matter of fact, I'm writing a, uh, there's a group of us writing a book right now for leaders and the first, it's going to be a series of books. And the first book is on, on uh, entrepreneurship for leaders. And my chapter is on passion as a concept for leaders. 
And what passion actually means is different than what we think it means. Most people say, you know, these, these Instagram gurus and YouTube gurus say, find your passion, just follow your passion, you'll be fine. Well, that's crap. That's horse crap because just doing something you think you're passionate about in terms of just liking it doesn't guarantee success. Now, can it help? Sure. It can be grease on, on, on you know, to grease, it, grease the skid so it makes it easier. But that word passion actually means willing to suffer. So if you look at the root word of passion, it means willing to suffer. So like the passion of the Christ, we don't call it that because he was excited about it. He right. liked it. We call it that because he was willing to suffer. There was a greater cause. So for for what I have discovered in all these interviews I've done with these successful entrepreneurs is that if they didn't have some ability and willingness to suffer for the thing they're building, that's true passion. If they didn't have that, they were not successful. And every single person did. And you know, if they had the emotional passion too, like if they really loved it, that that was even better. But but that's the number one indicator of success is passion. And the the second one is being at the right place at the right time. I think every entrepreneur can point back to a place that they if they hadn't gone there, hadn't been there, it, it, they wouldn't be who they are. And it's not luck; they put themselves in those positions. And then third is knowing the right people. Um, it, you know, this is not a, this is not a singular endeavor where we do it on our own. You, there's always going to be that one relationship that will change your life and putting yourself into those networks and those areas. That's why joining masterminds, hiring coaches, doing events and seminars is so important because you might, you never know when that's going to be the right place at the right time and you'll meet the right person. What is it about this kind of work, working with leaders, working with entrepreneurs that that fires you up? Tell me a little bit about your background. I know you've started a lot of businesses, um, but it seems to be this work in thought leadership that really um, inspires you. How did you come to that place? That's a great question. Um, I truly believe that it is entrepreneurs who are the ones who change the world. And I think that's in stark contrast to what the um, what the world would tell us is that well, parents change the world, pastors change the world, teachers change the world, et cetera. I'm all of those. I was a pastor for a long time. I was a teacher, and I'm a parent. And while they have impact, for sure, the actual changing of the world exclusively belongs to entrepreneurs. And why is that? Well, think about the fact that we're you and I are recording a podcast and a radio show. Okay, who invented podcasting? Who invented radio? It was you know, entrepreneurs. Our world is completely different because of those people who invented these things. What about apps on our cell phones? Or what about the running shoes or the bicycle that we go out and ride every morning when we run or exercise or ride our bike? That's changing the world. Where did those come from? They came from entrepreneurs. Anything that has changed the world can be traced back to some singular individual who took a risk and innovated something that didn't exist before. Those two things are the unique definition of what an entrepreneur is. And so the reason I love doing what I do and I love this question is because I believe that entrepreneurs change the world. I, I don't want to diminish the role of parents, pastors, and teachers. As I mentioned, I've been all of those. I am, I am those. But what I want entrepreneurs to understand is they are in the business of changing the world. And so I would prefer for the rest of my life to pour into as a teacher and a leader into other entrepreneurs to help change the world as opposed to just starting another business or doing something else. This is what God put me on this planet for. I love that answer. It, I mean, it really is entrepreneurship is an expression of creativity, no different than a musician or an actor or a writer. It, it's an expression of one's creativity. Would you agree? hundred percent. It's creativity and innovation. You know, innovation is taking, not necessarily inventing, 
been innovating. I mean, you know, uh, Apple didn't invent the computer. Apple didn't invent the cell phone. But look what they've done to innovate that for entrepreneurial endeavors. Right. It's, it's changed our world. Do you think someone is born with it, or do you think they can develop an entrepreneurial, you know, bone? I think some are born with it, um, but I think that's fewer and far between than most people might think. Um, I, I think most of the time it's developed out of life circumstances. You know, we talk about nature versus nurture, and I think that, you know, look at look at my my story for example. You know, I grew up in a you know, a middle-class home to good parents and a younger brother. We never were, we weren't poor, but we certainly weren't rich. We were just, we had what we needed. Dad worked for AT&T. You know, he, my mom stayed at home. We were just, I, I didn't know entrepreneurs. I didn't know business owners. It, did, it didn't even occur to me that that was an option. So I went into ministry. I spent 13 years in pastoral ministry. Then I changed into teaching school. I taught school for four years and absolutely fell in love with teaching. And that's where I really realized that that's what I'm really good at and I should be doing the rest of my life. But then the Great Recession caught me and I found myself without my teaching uh, contract being renewed the next year. And I was became an accidental entrepreneur. It, it was only because I was forced, necess- not necessarily forced, but you know, I, I found myself in that position. I had to make a decision. And I thought, okay, well, I'm, you know, life changed. I'm going to try to start a business. And I started a business, and I ended up being pretty good at it. And and then I, I was a business. I was simply a business owner for a long time. And then that's when I started studying entrepreneurs. And like, wait a minute, entrepreneurs are different than business owners. Entrepreneurs innovate. They 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 take risks. What can I do to innovate and take risks? And that's when my life completely changed. So for me, mm-hmm. I wasn't born an entrepreneur, but I became one. Yes, yes, I can relate. I definitely can relate. So, what are you most excited about? in your business now? What what uh, is new on the horizon or uh, an issue that you're grappling with and helping your clients grapple with right now? So the thing that I'm most excited with about just the business itself is I founded a mastermind called the Exeter Club at the end of 2021, and then we launched in January 2022. And uh, it, is a, it is exclusively designed for entrepreneurs who want to live the exit lifestyle. And so what I'm excited about is, is of course, running the mastermind, seeing new, I've got, I just had a new member join last week. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'd love to see a new member come and join us every month. We do these luxury retreats a couple times a year. And what I'm excited about is that these members of my club, of this mastermind, the exit club, get to experience what the exit lifestyle looks like and feels like. And I had a guy, this is a true story. So I had a guy at our, our uh, we had our first retreat in May and we did it on the Emerald Coast in Florida, uh, down on the Gulf Coast. And we rented a, a you know, a, a 75 foot yacht for the day. We had private chefs come in and cater. We stayed at the beachfront Airbnb. It was, it was top shelf, 100%. And the reason I did it that way is I wanted them to experience this is what life, the exit lifestyle could look like. This one guy comes to me, you know, he's been a member, you know, since the beginning. And he says, hey, this isn't necessarily the lifestyle that I would want. Like, that's not what I would do every day. But he said, I didn't know this was even possible. He said, so because I didn't know it's possible, and now that I do know it's possible because I'm a member of the Exeter Club, I'm going to change the way I'm thinking. I'm going to change my mindset. And now he's like, hey, the exit lifestyle for me and my family is just being able to travel. I just want to be able to go on vacation with my family without my customers wondering where I am. So that's what makes me excited is that I truly believe that businesses can be built that don't require our presence. 
that we don't have to be there four hours a week. And that's when we can live the exit lifestyle, whether it's going on vacations, spending time with family, starting other businesses, which is what I did. Or if it's, you know, working in volunteer work, going on mission trips. I want business owners and entrepreneurs to understand that they don't have to stay 40, 50, 60 hours a week in the business. They can live the exit lifestyle now without necessarily selling the business. Wow. Okay. So the exit lifestyle, um, I, I didn't ask you about it directly, but you told me in that explanation of your masterclass what it is. So it's basically your business runs, not runs itself, but your presence is not required 24 seven and you are free to do the kinds of things that you want to do in your own life, whether that is be on a private yacht or just travel more or just have more free time to pursue other creative uh, pursuits. You said it exactly right. That's exactly what Exit Lifestyle is. It's going to be different for every person. Um, one of the questions I ask people when we, when we first start talking is I say, well, you know, let's pretend that tomorrow you didn't have to be in your business, that the business was running itself or you've sold it, whatever, however you want to imagine it. And you've got enough cash flow for your family to pay the bills. You have a little bit left over. You're not a gazillionaire, but you've got money. You're fine. What do you do? What do you do every day? And, and, the, and the answers are going to be wildly different. Other people, like me, I, I, I'm going to start other businesses. I'm going to do other things. I'm going to travel in the RV with my wife. I'm going to go on lots of motorcycle trips. Uh, I, you know, I might start a nonprofit. You know, those are what I do. But other people are like, hey, if I didn't have to work again, I would get a, I'd get a beach umbrella and a chair and go drink on the beach for the rest of my life. I'd, okay, well, that's fine. But whatever yours is, I can help you get there. That's what I do. So this has got to be um, extremely attractive, not only to people who are in mid-career, but also younger people, because we have seen through the great resignation, people are saying, look, this position, this job, this corporation does not give me any balance in my life. And I just I don't want to do that anymore. I mean, do you have a lot of people that are in that circumstance coming to you? Well, interestingly enough, while that's not my target uh, prospect as a potential client, I do have a lot of people who reach out to me that are very early stage entrepreneurs, and they have come to that place through the great resignation. There are people that worked corporate jobs for other businesses, and they're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm starting my own deal. And they start their own deal, and then they find out, you know, less than a year in, holy crap, this is different. I traded in the nine to five for a 24-7. And and it's not the the glamorous lifestyle they thought they were going to get. And so they're coming to me. So occasionally that happens, even though that's not who I'm necessarily targeting. Most of my clients have well-established businesses that have been around five to 10 years or longer, and they're doing quite well. They're just trying to figure out, okay, I built this thing. Now what? What do I do next? What's the next big adventure? How do I get myself out of it? But I even have a couple of people who've gone through my coaching program who haven't even started a business yet, but they have followed me long enough to know that hey, when I get my business started, I want the real Jason Duncan helping me so that I don't build a business that traps me. Right. You know, this is something I ask every one of my guests, and I'll ask you now. um, How do you personally replenish your creativity when you're feeling, uh, you know, maybe a little bit bogged down, you've been working a lot, you've been uh, a lot of output, all of the speaking engagements and things you do takes a lot of energy. What do you do to kind of fill yourself up again? What hobby, habit, um, ritual? I have two things. One is a hobby and one is more like a, just a scheduled plan thing that I do. So my scheduled plan thing that I do is I put on my calendar every single month, one full day, uh, and that I call my planning and strategic thinking day. And it's, it's on a Wednesday and I do it like my, my next one's coming up on the 6th of July. So that day 
I will. I have no calls, no meetings, no nothing. And I sit in my office. I don't answer. I'm not answering emails. I'm. I'm literally just thinking, planning. I'll get a. I'm a visual person, so I'll get a whiteboard out and I'll get a sharpie or not a sharpie, but a dry erase marker, and I'll start just thinking and planning. And I might just sit down and read a book or a magazine. I'll listen to a podcast. I'm looking for just that spark of creativity. And I schedule that because if I don't schedule it, the busyness of day-to-day will overtake the ability to get that creative spark. So that's my thing that I do. And then in terms of hobbies, I'm a motorcycle rider. I love riding motorcycles. As a matter of fact, I leave Thursday to go on a two-week cross-country trip. Um, I'll almost be to California, but I'm not going quite to California, <laughs> but we're going across, we're going across the, across the country with a bunch of friends and, and that's going to be, you know, my wind therapy. You know, I get out there and I just kind of forget about everything that's going on and I just get reconnected with who I am. And, and, uh, it doesn't take a cross country trip to do that. Sometimes it's just a, a weekend ride with my wife through the back country around Gallatin. Love it. Beautiful. And you live in a beautiful part of the country. So, Jason, tell me, what is, uh, you know, the listeners have gotten a chance to get to know you a little bit here. If they want the essential Jason Duncan, um, where should they go? How do they connect with you? So I am the real Jason Duncan. So you can Google that and you'll find me anywhere and everywhere. I'm on Instagram mostly, that and and LinkedIn. So Instagram, the the real Jason Duncan. And then my website is therealjasonduncan.com. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. All of the great information you gave us today and uh, I encourage our listeners to get in contact with you directly. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you, Christina. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with the real Jason Duncan. Jason is also the host of the Root of All Success podcast, which is syndicated on the C-Suite radio network. He's on all the socials as the real Jason Duncan. A couple of things from my world at Mendonca Media. I've launched a new initiative based on this podcast. It's called The Power Profile. It is a mini documentary for C-suite executives and thought leaders to help increase reputation and reach. My team and I come in. We do extensive interviews with you, collect great B-roll, photos, pull together your story in a way that helps your customers, constituents, and investors see your place in their world. You can reach out for more at MendonsaMedia.com. Also, while you're there, sign up for my newsletter. In addition to my broadcasting, I went back to school years ago for a master's degree in leadership and communications. I love the academic side, the research side of both of those topics. So in the newsletter, I share new research, information, and news about that world, the world of leadership and communications from all of the connections that I've developed and kept with colleagues in the academic space. And the Emmy Awards are in. No, COVID Lost and Learned did not win this year. Disappointing, but we are grateful for the Emmy nomination and it energized us to begin work on a brand new documentary, which will focus on veterans and a new unique treatment for PTS and moral injury. It's a project that is close to my heart and I'm really excited to get working on that this summer. I love creating all of this for you. It's really what I live for. So please reach out anytime through MendonzaMedia.com with any feedback. Thank you for spending some time with me. Be on the lookout for more stories of power right here on the podcast version of The Power Profile. This has been The Power Profile with Christina Mendonza. Stay connected through MendonzaMedia.com.